Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Rabina podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. In a world that is dominated by narratives of fear, anxiety, and worry, what does it mean that joy is not dependent on outward circumstances, but on the inner state of one's heart? You've joined us in our series, Philippians, where we are exploring what Paul meant when he wrote to have joy in everything and the importance of living in unity among believers for the sake of the gospel. We pray that this message is a blessing. Hey, I'm continuing our Philippians series this morning, so I would love to pray as we get ready to receive from the Word of God this morning. Lord Jesus, we become aware of Your presence, even right now. Even with the flickering lights, Lord God, we become aware of your presence and we honour you, we acknowledge you, we worship you, we exalt you this morning because you are the one we adore today, God. I just pray amidst the busyness of our lives, you'd help us to just breathe in, become aware of your presence today and just get ready to receive from your word. We love you, Lord. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Hey, I would love you to take a moment to think of a time in your life that brought you immense joy. Do you think we can all do that for a moment? What brought you immense joy? Now, I went a little bit out on a limb in the 8am service. Welcome to everybody joining us online. You might like to drop this in the chat as well. What's a moment that brought you immense joy? Does someone want to yell some out for me? What brought you immense joy? Anyone? Anyone brave? Yes. Your first grandchild. That's a good one. Anyone else? Jesus, great, that's good. Spiritual answer in church this morning, I like that. I was thinking about when we completed successfully our first renovation, it was a lot of work, that brought me immense joy. Um, We had a moment where someone talked about their marriage in the 8am and that totally ruined the point of this moment for me because I was putting the idea out there that some of those moments of immense joy are the ones that come after a period of great trial. And so the the marriage one didn't really work so well for that. But I'll put to you that those moments that are really a pinnacle of joy are the ones that also come after a period where we've got to put in a lot of uh, effort or endurance or suffering or pain, and it just makes that reward all the greater. And for me, I was thinking of particularly the moment our second child was born. His name's Jude. Some of you might know I've got three kids, uh, 12, 10, and four years old. And actually during our first child's uh, labour, Steph was induced with Rose. Anyone who's gone through an induction, all the power to you, that is full on, my goodness. Uh, Steph was induced to have Rose and then the labour didn't quite go as planned after I think 16, 14, 16 hours of labour, Steph was required to have an emergency caesarean. Intense. Uh, They told me that they can deliver a baby in two and a half minutes by emergency caesarean if they really need to. And so after 16 hours, all of a moment whisked into the operating table. And I just remember the sense of fear in that moment. It was absolutely terrifying. Something could go wrong. There's surgeons everywhere. And uh, anyway, everything went fine and, and Rose um, is you know, here with us. So it was an amazing moment. But fast forward two years with our second child and the midwives that Steph was working with had said that we could proceed with a more conventional uh, birth option for the second uh, round, which is a little bit unusual. Not all doctors go with it, but apparently in New South Wales, they're a little bit more open to it. And I remember when we got to the moment um, during labour where it was, you know, it was close. Jude was nearly here with us. 
And I just watched the moment in the room where the fear all came back. Certainly for me, and I remember for Steph, there was a moment, this is going to go wrong, we're going to have to go to an emergency caesarean again. And it just filled the room, the sense of panic. And I will never forget the moment where Steph pushed through and was able to deliver naturally our second child. It was the most amazing moment. And I just was so, so proud of her for not only the you know, incredible pain that she went through, but the sort of psychological moment to push through that. And uh, that was a moment that filled me with immense joy. I've actually got some images. Uh, Jude was born and he had this head full of peroxide blonde hair. This is really just a gratuitous moment for me to put up some cute family photos. Um, and you can see that hair. I remember we would take Jude through the shopping centre and people would stop me and say, like, how old's your baby? And I'd say, two weeks old. And they're like, wait a minute, did you bleach your child's hair? And I'm like, yes, I put peroxide on a two-week-old baby. Like, what the? It was pretty awesome. Um, coincidentally, I asked Jude, he's now 10, I asked Jude this question this week, what br- brings you, you know, what's the moment that brought you immense joy? And he very literally said the statement, I think I've got it on screen, looking at myself in the mirror. So, yeah, that's what happens when you then have a preteen, um, 10-year-old. So, and I did actually get approval for me to put that on the screen. Although I would say, if you say anything to your father while he's preparing a sermon, any of it's fair game. Um, So what brings you immense joy? And that's what we're looking at today as we continue this series uh, on persevering joy. And I would put to you that none of us start a relationship with the intent for it to end. That would be a little bit bizarre, right? That we start an intent. And I would say that it's the same for our faith journey. None of us begin this journey of faith with the intention that our faith would end. So we need to look at this idea of perseverance. How do we keep the joy in our life for the end of the journey. We want to run a long journey of faith. I've got the privilege at the moment of walking with a few people who are relatively new in their faith within the past year. And they've just got this kind of wide-eyed wonder. Anything's possible. They just look at the things of God and they're so excited. And they're just full of hope. And they've got this kind of, uh, you know, sense of opportunity, possibility, anything's possible with God. And I'll be honest, at times it makes me ask the question, when did I lose that? When did I get a bit dull in my joy? When did I become a little bit cynical? I even wrote the sentence here, what allowed that to get beaten out of me? When did I allow myself to become a crusty old man at the age of 37? But like, I'm serious, there are times that might be a little bit extreme, but there are times when I think, who wants to live a life like that? And that might be some of you today. I realise in a room like this, there's an entire spectrum of faith. There are some of you that are searching. You don't know anything I'm talking about. You might feel a little bit overwhelmed even at the room this morning. And that's great. We welcome you here. We, we love that you're here with us and that you've taken the risk to be at church this morning. Online, that might be you. You've stumbled across a YouTube ad and here you are live with us today. You might have been watching this back in a couple of days' time. But I would say, what about those of you who are very mature in your faith, maybe not even mature is the right word, maybe you've been in faith a long time and you've lost that sense of joy. You're feeling a little bit cynical. You've lost that wonder. I would say today, let's even take a moment now to pause and invite the Holy Spirit to come and rest on our hearts again. Breathe upon the coals of our heart, maybe where we've become a little bit tired and we've lost our joy. I believe that the antidote to that sense of 
cynicism is joy. I remember hearing this man uh, speak at a conference. His name is Bob Goff. Some of you may have had the privilege of seeing him speak as well. It's probably the only person I can think of in my life where I watched him and I thought, you know, I want to be just like that guy. He's so full of joy and hope. That image just really sums him up really well, surrounded by balloons. But Bob Goff actually runs a ministry now. I love this. He has a training academy that he's called the Bob Goff School of Whimsy. (laughs) Don't you love that? The School of Whimsy. I feel like we might need that sometimes. Uh, You might write this idea off as insubstantial and you might think, oh, that guy's a bit of a crackpot, you know, a bit naive bit starry-eyed, he hasn't let life beat him down. But but I want to tell you that his story is actually grounded in uh, quite a lot of despair, suffering and endurance. And you'll see in this next photo, which gives a little bit more context to his background, this is him in Uganda. And uh, he was a lawyer previously, but he found his work in humanitarian aid led him to the nation of Uganda. And in this part of the world, uh, there is this extreme practice where witch doctors believed uh, that, and again, this is quite graphic, uh, that the flesh of children has magical powers. And so witch doctors would often mutilate young children for the sake of their practising faith as a witch doctor. And so that was shrouded in mystery. People would often become sick and unwell or be killed uh, if they tried to confront these people. And so Bob Goff went through this journey of figuring out how to first of all take children and nurture them back to health and then work with them ever so gradually and caringly and give them a sense of joy and future possibility and hope. But not only did he work with the children, he actually worked with the perpetrators of the violence as well. So his legal background ended up finding a way to be able to see these men brought to justice. They were tried for murder. Uh, which was often met with the death penalty in Uganda, but they were never followed through with. So he was able to journey with them the entire time while they were incarcerated. And he tells of these moments where these men would become aware of their brokenness. They would bow their head and he would even kiss them on the head. You just think about that notion of proximity to such uh, previous evil. And as they would lift their head back up, he'd look them in the eyes and say, don't you dare touch another kid in your life. (laughs) And so there's this beauty of justice and also this notion of whimsy. As I found this photo, the more I looked at it, the more I loved it. Because not only is it beautiful and it's full of joy, but there's a whole lot of children being like smothered by balloons in the background. It's completely out of control. I love it. Bob Goff. He's an amazing man and he has this beautiful quote that I believe pertains to uh, what Paul is encouraging us in this passage of Scripture. Bob Goff says it like this, Whimsy needs to be fully experienced to be fully known. Whimsy doesn't care if you're the driver or the passenger. All that matters is that you are on your way. So I believe in the same way the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. It's encouraging to be on the way of joy, growing in joy. But where does it all begin? Now, there's a passage I'm beginning uh, week four in this series of Philippians. If you've uh, missed any of the past couple of weeks, all of these messages are available on our YouTube channel. I believe it's on the QR code uh, or it's in the link online if you want to catch up. But I had a difficult portion of Scripture at the beginning of Philippians 3. I made a joke in an 8am service that really tanked. 
the first seven verses of Philippians 3 are all about the practice of adult male circumcision, and I made the joke that Michael will do a deep dive on that when he gets back. Maybe because I didn't make it clear enough that it was a joke, and I think most of the room thought Michael was actually doing a deep dive on that. He's not. And if you're watching online, Michael, all the best for that. Um, But basically the portion of that scripture that Paul was saying is, and he was speaking to a group of people who were obsessed with the religious practices of the past, obsessed with the outward appearance without looking at the state of the heart. So I believe Paul is saying something important there, that you need to move on from the past and you need to look towards the future, the promises of God. But this very first essential point that we can't miss is that Jesus is the centre of it all. It all begins with Jesus. It all begins with Jesus. And so today, maybe that's where we need to start. Maybe you've gotten a bit caught up in the routine of life. Maybe even your worship has become a little bit stale and you've forgotten that we worship a person. We desire to know a person. We're not going through the rote practices of gathering. Community is beautiful. It's amazing that we can have friends at church. It's amazing that we can learn practical tips on how to live our lives. But if that's all it is, why bother? It's not about a concert. It's not about some great music. We can go to a, go to a concert for that. This is about Jesus. It all begins with Jesus. So as we open this scripture this morning, why don't we explore this further? Remember, Paul begins here by talking about the things of the past, those practices that were obsessed with the external appearance but did nothing to change the state of the heart. So why don't we read together? Philippians 3, verses 7 to 11. But what things were gained to me, these things I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of, and here it is, the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's what it's all about. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, I count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. All right, that sounds awesome. Thanks, Paul. We've got the knowledge of Jesus and the power. I love those two things. So why don't we think about what we get from following Jesus? The power. I love that. So we can see here that that's part of the importance of knowing Jesus. Above all else, previous experiences are worth nothing to Paul. But he values a personal relationship with Jesus. He desires to be found in Him. And you know, this was actually God's intent for the people of Israel the whole time. We came out of a study in Genesis earlier and we saw that humanity seems to get caught up in the same thing. We get obsessed with other ideas. We see God and we see His wonder. We draw near to Him and then we forget and we move away. And God is continually reminding His people what is the main thing. And I love the way this verse describes it. In Hosea 6 verse 6, God says, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. Did you catch that? God wants to know you. God wants you to know Him. 
He doesn't want you to just go through the routine of performance of sacrifice. He wants to know you and He wants you to know Him and love Him. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Sometimes we can get so caught up with the stuff that we miss the person right in front of us. God is desperate to know you. This theme is continued so, so beautifully in the book of Jeremiah. Chapter 9, verses 23 to 24 says this. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this. Here it is. That they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord. I was watching a Christian leader this week just talk all about the amazing things they had achieved. And I don't want to be guilty of judging, but it made me look at my own heart and go, how often can I become obsessed with ministry goals or outcomes or great things I've done and miss the fact that here in Jeremiah, we shouldn't be boasting about those things. We should be boasting that we know Jesus. The central thing, the most important thing that we know Jesus. I'm not preaching down to you, I'm preaching to myself. And probably my favourite chapter of the Bible, and I love this chapter because here we see the words of Jesus Himself. He's praying for this small group of followers, but then He goes on to pray for all who would follow Him. And that means that Jesus is praying for you and for me if we're followers of Him. He says in John 17 verse 3, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. Jesus praying that we would know God, the core purpose of our life, that we would know God. I love how Paul, who wrote this letter to the Philippian church, also wrote to the Corinthians church. He says in 1 Corinthians 2.2, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you. Did you get that? Paul resolved to know nothing except for Jesus and Him crucified. I think we've made that crystal clear this morning. The chief end of man, the purpose of man. If you're wondering what your purpose is, to know God. It all begins with Jesus. Let's have a look again at that first passage to the Philippian church. I'll read it all because I believe there's something beautiful in this for us. I'm going to read this on purpose for emphasis where I paused before at the power. And then we're going to move on and have a look at what actually comes beyond the power of knowing God. Verse 7, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Here it is again, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness, which is from God by faith. Here it is again, that I may know Him and the power of His Resurrection. Remember, that's where we paused before. The power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, 
being conformed unto his death. Hmm. Well, Paul, you won me at power and then you lost me at sufferings and eventually death. What is going on here? Those of you who are more mature in your faith or have journeyed for a while might know that it's not all sunshine. Sometimes we have difficult days. Sometimes we have sufferings. And if we don't allow passages like this in the Bible to also resonate with truth as much as the promises of blessing, then we get confused later down the journey when bad things happen to good people. But Paul is saying here that not only do we know God and the power of His resurrection, but we also have the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. Which brings me to my second point. It's not only about Christ being at the centre, but it's also that we're called to press towards the goal. Even when it hurts, even when it's tough, like that story at the beginning, pushing through those moments of labour and suffering, Challenges, hardships in our life to make the joy all the more, the greater push, press towards the goal, even when it gets hard. If our goal is only happiness or comfort, then the measure of our success is limited to what we can feel or know or understand. But I believe this is actually where we need to become familiar with the mysteries of God the tensions of the unknown, because I believe that's actually where our faith resides. If we knew everything, if we could sense everything, then we wouldn't actually need our faith. That's what I love about walking with people who are new in their faith, is they ask all of these questions that they think are stupid, but they're really the ones that all of us are asking the entire time. (laughs) Maybe you've come to church and you're looking for answers. And yes, I believe there are answers here, But there may also be more questions. You know, this week, the global church lost an absolute hero of the faith. Yesterday, many of us woke up to the news that Tim Keller passed away. A beautiful man of God. I feel like Tim Keller may be one of our most quoted theologians. An incredible man of God who just set a beautiful precedent for what it means to share the gospel, but do it in a way that loves people, preserves honour to the things of God. He was an incredible man, but I love the way he described this tension. He said this, The ultimate purpose of faith is not to provide us with answers, but to bring us face to face with the living God in the midst of our unanswered questions. Isn't that a beautiful quote? It brings us face to face with God. Again, why don't we... Invite the Holy Spirit into this moment. Maybe you've got questions today. Maybe you're suffering even now and you're crying out to God. I would love to say that He wants to meet with you today. He wants to meet you face to face. He has a perfect plan for your life. Paul continues in his letter to the Philippians. He encourages us to press on in our faith to pursue spiritual growth. He also acknowledges that he hasn't yet attained perfection, but he continues to press forward. He reminds us to press towards the goal, just a reminder, what is the goal? To know Jesus. Why don't we read 
the next portion of the Scripture together, Philippians 3, 12 to 16. Paul says this, Not that I have already attained or that I'm already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. He hasn't gotten there yet. But one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to this degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. I love this about Paul because where there are other passages of Scripture that seem to be crystal clear, Paul often says to us, you know what? I haven't yet attained the perfection. I'm still on a journey. And let me tell you, as me standing up here, I'm on a journey. (laughs) I'm not preaching down to you. I haven't figured these things out. I'm walking the walk of faith. I think that's all we're called to, one step after another. And in hardships, there's just beauty to be found as well. C.S. Lewis, another theologian, puts it like this, that hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. Today, you might be suffering, thinking, why am I in this moment? I believe God is preparing you. And there's a way that you can choose to respond. I'll never forget, I heard a message about suffering and the pastor had us on the edge of our seat. He was actually talking about spiritual maturity. We all wanted to know, how do we become mature? How do we become mature? And he dropped the bombshell. Well, it's actually through suffering. You've got to go through it well, though. You've got to submit it to Jesus. That's why I paused when I used the word mature before. Being old doesn't necessarily mean mature. We can be old and keep going around and around the mountain of suffering and not have submitted it to Jesus. But maturity, you know, there are some people that have just got that maturity. Those are the people I want to be around. As I look out across this room, there are so many of you here. I think that's why God takes the solitary and He puts us in a family because we need your wisdom. Sometimes we do stupid things, (laughs) amen? We need a community to help us. Don't walk alone. Hardships prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. The writer of Proverbs gives us a bit more of an image of what this looks like as we're going in our faith. In Proverbs 4.18, the writer says this, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining even brighter until the full light of day. I found this image that might serve as a bit of a visual reminder for those of you. Maybe next time you wake up nice and early and as you're watching the sunrise, you might think that's what your faith is like. Maybe for those of you, that's what your joy is like. That's what your endurance is like. It's just a flicker in the distance. But as you're maturing and as you're pressing towards the goal, it's like the sun rising brighter and brighter until it's at the brightness of the midday sun. Let that be the journey of faith today. Ever onward, we press towards the goal. Jesus sets an infinitely high bar. Don't you love that about Jesus? He sets an infinitely high bar. And he speaks in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5, verse 48. He says this, Be perfect. Thanks, Jesus. Be perfect, 
Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I'm just going to say, that's one of the question mark moments for me. I'm not perfect. You know what I draw courage from? Paul wasn't perfect either. And he admitted to it. And so I hold those two things in tension. Jesus told me I can be perfect. Paul tells me I'm not yet perfect. And that's okay. I'm on the journey. I remember hearing a series preached about the book of Ephesians and the title of the series was Becoming Who You Are. Mind blow. I think it's like that. Become who you already are. Jesus claims who we can be and that's who we're becoming. The writer of Hebrews says it like this, and it's a call to the Christians in the room here in chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. That's the kind of faith that can only be achieved in partnership with the Holy Spirit. I need Him now more than ever. Today, I believe God put this message on my heart around joy. That some of you think maturity might be, and I remember I had a pastor that said, it looks like you've just sucked on some lemons. You know, that's what maturity looks like. I actually think it's living in joy. I think it's like that image of whimsy. I think it means being able to see the best in every circumstance, even though everything is screaming at you that this is terrible. Maybe seeing the best in people when everyone else has moved on. I believe that's the kind of maturity that God is calling us to today. As the worship team joined me on stage this morning, I want to finish with this final thought that's essential to our joy. Remember those first two things? It all begins with Jesus, pressed towards the goal. And finally here, we can have joy because of a hope for the future. As I was preparing, God really put on my heart that there were people in our community that wrestle with issues of chronic pain. And I had just a tiny window into this. Maybe about two years ago for maybe 18 months prior to that, I was suffering with a nerve condition, very painful nerve condition in my hands as a pianist. It was terrifying. I'd wake up in the middle of the night with what felt like rheumatoid arthritis. I went through so many tests, they couldn't find it. It eventually went away, praise God. That was my journey, I don't have any of that pain anymore. But it showed me for nearly 18 months, this agonising pain that people are walking around with in our community. And you just have to put on this brave face. Some of you even here in the room, even just to get in the car and come to church is just such a sacrifice. And I wanted to honour you today. And I wanted to say, good on you. Well done. Keep going. Be encouraged in your faith. You know, Paul describes something like a thorn in the flesh. A lot of us don't really know what he meant. It could have been something like this. could have been pain. But for you today, I just want to say that you're not forgotten. Your faith might dwindle. You might feel discouraged at times. But I just wanted to encourage you. I wanted to breathe on that flame of hope in your heart and say hope for the future. I'd love to pray for you later on this morning. But as we read this verse together in Philippians, maybe as a family of faith, those of you online as well, as a family of faith, 
Let's be prayerful and mindful of those who are suffering in our midst this morning. Paul finishes this portion of his letter in Philippians 3 verses 20 to 21. This is the encouragement for those of you who are suffering. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Saviour, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to His glorious body, according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. Here Paul is speaking about another one of those mysteries of God. The study of the end times is called eschatology. I believe you could probably separate every Christian denomination just on their teachings of the end times. It's one of those things that all of us ask a lot of questions about. But there are passages in the Scripture like this that give us a concrete hope that one day our body will be restored. That might seem like a consolation prize if you're suffering today. You know, I've seen people healed. I believe I myself was healed. I don't have that pain in my body and it would be my prayer. If I could, I'd take it away from you in a moment. But for some reason, you're walking this journey of suffering. You know, I know just from that small period of time, I learned empathy for people who suffer with pain. Maybe that's part of what you're learning. Maybe it's learning that Jesus is good even when you're going through bad things. Maybe it's to prepare you, as we heard that quote from C.S. Lewis, for great things. But today, I want to encourage you in your ultimate hope for the future, that you have an eternity with Jesus in a transformed body free of pain. Let's have a look at some other verses that promise this. In John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus says with His own words, and He tells us the weight. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. So here Jesus is promising eternal life. Paul writes to a different church in Corinth in chapter 15, 51. He says, listen, I tell you a mystery. See, I love this about Paul. He doesn't beat around the bush. He says, yep, there are some things that are just plain weird. <laughs> it's a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. It's one of the mysteries of God, what's going to happen. But what we know is that we're going to have a transformed body. Revelations 21.4 says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more and neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. That's the hope we have in Jesus. I'm just so sensitive this morning that I've been speaking a lot to Christians, but there might be some of you in the room who don't in fact know Jesus. You might be gripped with fear of the idea of what happens after you die. You might be suffering and you don't have anything to hold on to. It would be my absolute privilege and honour. Maybe you're joining us online and maybe you're sitting there watching. I know that we often have people joining us from hospital. Maybe you are looking for the answers today. 
We heard there from the teachings of Jesus Himself where He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. I believe that Jesus has a plan for your life. Maybe we could bow our heads and close our eyes right across this room. Online, this invitation is for you also. If you'd be so bold, if that's you, I don't want to single you out, but if you would just raise your hand and give me a wave so I can know who I'm praying for this morning. Is there anyone that doesn't know Jesus today that is desperate for that confidence and that faith and that hope they can have in Him? Online, I know that our hosts will give you an opportunity to respond. But is there anyone here in the room? Just looking from left to right, I'll take a moment longer. I see that hand. God bless you. Anyone else here this morning? Beautiful. Look, I just want to say, there's nothing magical about this moment. If you leave today and you wanted to respond, but you didn't put up your hand, Jesus is always with you. He's always got a way back to Him. And so you can pray a prayer like this at any moment. But there is something really beautiful about community. And uh, for the people who raised their hands in the room here this morning, please don't go this journey on your own. Find someone. I'd love to meet you. And I know that the rest of our team would love to meet you. But there's also a whole lot of people around you that would love to encourage you in your faith. So I'd love to pray for you right now. And maybe with all of us in the room, all of us online, we can pray this prayer together. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you right now, even with my pain and even with my sin, Lord, even with my guilt and even with my shame. And I say, Jesus, would you be my Lord? Jesus, would you be my Saviour? I give my life to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Such a beautiful moment. Like I said, I've had on my heart all weekend people who are suffering with chronic pain. Maybe we'd just like to bow our heads one more time. I don't want to single anyone out. But if that is you, I would love to pray for you. Is there anyone in the room who's suffering with chronic pain today? God bless you. Wow, I see hands right across the room today. Wow, wow, wow. Right across the room. So many people. Church, it's just a reminder there's just a reminder that there's these heroes of the faith all the way around us. Let's not forget the fact that our community are often suffering. Sometimes it's easy just to whack on a mask. We put on the smile, we pretend everything's okay. But there are people suffering with pain amongst us. I'm going to pray for you all right now. Look, and I'm going to believe for your healing. I'm going to believe that God can intervene in the miraculous, but I'm also going to pray for your endurance. Sometimes it happens in a moment. Sometimes it'll happen in a lifetime. Why don't we pray together? God, I just thank You for these beautiful people right across the room in every section, even online, who are suffering even right now with chronic pain in their bodies. And God, I bring them to You. The same way that the people lowered the, the disabled man through the roof of the house and they prayed for him. God, You went beyond healing him. You actually forgave him. <laughs> Jesus, You can do anything. We don't want to limit you in a box of what you can and can't do. We are open to the mysteries of God. So right now, I thank you for your miraculous power amidst our community. 
But God, I also pray for the gift of joy, the gift of endurance, long-suffering, Lord God. I pray that You would minister to Your people today, that You would give them uh, the ability to press towards the goal even when times are tough. I pray that You would give them the grit, Lord God, to be able to say, Jesus, You are greater than any disease or any sickness. Nothing's gonna take my joy. God, we pray that we would be ministers of joy to those all around us today. In Your Name we pray, Amen. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you'd like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray that you have a great week. Be blessed.